This is Mike C. from North Bend, Washington, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore, unless I'm trying to get to sleep. That shit is fucking boring. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore. Alright everybody, welcome to the show, episode 425 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, the non-crick-necked host, Jesse Dollamore, and I am joined by the crick-necked host. Brittany Page. Well, mildly crick-necked. I would say less crick-necked than before. <laughs> That's a little tongue twistery. Less... You're your 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 drug infused crick-necked. Uh host. I think I like crick-necked co-host because it's a little alliterate alliterative. Mildly drug induced, I would say. Um didn't take the muscle relaxers today because i have to drive um and i can't take them while i'm driving but yes i i i have torticollis or torticollis i don't know how to say it um oh you mean you're not officially diagnosed you didn't walk in the doctor and he's like oh yeah you got the uh you got the old crick neck <laughs> i mean he walked in and he said you got the look that's what he said to you me. You got the that's really what he said you got the look yeah well i looked very unhappy and my head throughout the day was getting closer and closer to my left shoulder. Yeah, you look like Ralph Wiggum when he glued his ear to his shoulder. I don't know that reference, but that sounds about right. And um You know, when the kids on The Simpsons are playing with the glue, and because he's a smart kid, he glues his head to his shoulder. Mm. <laughs> oh Ralph. Choo choo choose me <laughs> Ralph Wiggum. Um yeah, so I I woke up and I had this pain and um it it got progressively worse throughout the day. I couldn't get dressed. I had I like broke down crying when I was trying to get dressed. That's when I knew it was bad deal. And I That's when I knew it was bad deal. Yeah. <laughs> I it, it, the pain was like when you wake up with a foot cramp or a, a cramp in your calf. Has that ever happened to you? That kind of pain? Oh, of course. Where you like wake up because you're in the middle of sleeping and it's so terrible that it wakes you up. That well, every once in a while, I'll like bend my toes down to kind of, oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. then it'll like lock there like, oh, fuck you. We're staying here. Exactly. Yeah, not good. And so if I moved my arm a certain way, my right arm, that would happen in my neck and my back. Yeah. Um, And so I just thought, listen... You idiot, you slept on your neck wrong, and now this is what you get. So you go to work like this. <laughs> and so I tried to, and at a certain point, everyone was like, you need to leave because you can't keep your head up straight. You're contorted like you're being possessed by the devil. <laughs> yeah, something's very wrong with you. And Also, you were crying. Yeah. Well, you're not a crier relative to being in pain or sick. You know, you see a movie or you read a sad thing, eh, that'll trigger some tears. Yeah. But you're not a whiny McGee about pain. Well, I am kind of whiny about pain, but uh, about getting sick and things like that. Yeah, I usually I usually power through, go to work. Um, it doesn't get in my way. But this was different. And so I went to the doctor and I fully expected him to walk in and just laugh at me and say, 
you're here for a crick in your neck, really. Just go sleep on it tonight and you'll wake up and it'll be fine. Just sleep on the other side. Yeah. And he, no, he said this is severe. He felt it. He said there was a muscle spasm in my neck that was forcing my head to the left side. And um, he gave me an anti-inflammatory that he said he prescribes for people with gout. Um, Not entirely sure what I I have a vague idea of what gout is. Um, I know it's very it's something in like the joints of your feet, your toes. Like people have a heart, like like Kim Jong Un has the gout. Yeah, I think it's like arthritis. Um. In your joints. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. But it causes like a lot of pain. Yeah. A, lo- a lot of pain. I know someone that has it right now, actually, and they've been posting on Facebook about it all the time, about mm. how so how it's so painful that they wouldn't even wish it on like their worst enemy or something they just wrote. <laughs> so that's the kind of anti-inflammatory he gave me. That must be a riveting Facebook timeline. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gout. <laughs> I know it's a man or woman, but that's just... I imagine... That's uh, that's the voice that comes out of a Facebook post like that. It's a relative <laughs> who lives in Kentucky. Um, so it is kind of, oh, my God. No. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> and I also got some muscle relaxers. So I, I'm able to keep my head up straight today, which is an improvement over yesterday. Yeah, you're looking. Well, we sat down to do the show yesterday. We're late here, obviously. I was going to try to power through the show as well. And you put your head down. You 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 twisted the crick. Yeah. You cracked the you cracked the crick in the wrong way, and you started like tearing up again. You yeah. laid your head down on the table in a weird, not seemingly not natural <laughs> way, and that then you said, "This is the most <laughs> comfortable I've been all day." Yeah. <laughs> and I said, "We we got to get the fuck out of here." We we found a. Uh, an urgent care near the house. Yeah. And then we brought you in. We So we couldn't do the show yesterday because there's... I mean, you, you even showed up here like, okay, we're going to do this. Yeah. And even that was... There's not a fucking chance. Well, we could have put my head, the headphones on while I was laying down on the table and shoved the mic up somewhere near my mouth and it would have been good enough. Just, right? just rest <laughs> it there. Yeah. That's not going to work. Yeah, but so thanks. Thankfully, you're you're feeling better. You're not 100. percent Yeah, I still have pain. Um, but it was really weird. A lot of people commented on my post, and quite a few babies get this, which is really sad. That um, yeah. like a little baby would have this and not be able to tell anyone or know what's going on. Yeah. I just I can't imagine a well, little. You look at them and know something's fucking wrong. Yeah, I, I was Especially walking. Especially if they got the Britney Page crick now. I you was, know? you know, I was walking in the grocery store, and people were staring at me, yeah. but doing like the staring, and then I would see them, and then they would quickly look away in a very awkward, very mean way, and I felt like I got a glimpse of how people who like, have like Jewel from Deadwood, how she must feel walking around. Yeah, like people who have disabilities must feel in public, like when people look at them as though there's something wrong with them and then try to act like they weren't looking at them. You, you did. It's not just like your your head was a little cricked. You were, <laughs> you had to walk a certain, so you were like, like trying to, it was almost like floating. Like you didn't swing your <laughs> arms. Yeah, I was you know, completely you fucked. Were fucked. Yeah. yeah, you were pretty fucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just want to paint the picture that it wasn't just like, oh, she has a crick neck. I'm going to stare at her. You were... It was a whole scene going on. Like, you shouldn't have been in the store, but we were waiting for the prescription to be yeah. written. I shouldn't have been upright, 
is what was going yeah. on. I mean, it, it was wasn't good. It was painful to walk around. And, it was painful and, for me, <laughs> most of all, to look at you. Perfect, yeah. Because you look like a freak. And everyone I, else. You know, is what I'm saying. And everyone else as well. Yeah, I feel bad. And so we we clearly that's why we're we're late here. We're doing the show because you know it's because of Brittany. I'm not prepared. <laughs> what can I say? One time. Yeah. In over 500 episodes, uh, we can blame Brittany. Yeah. By we, I mean you guys, mm-hmm. the audience, and me. <laughs> we can pile on, heap on the blame. Yeah. For this late episode. So what we plan to do, unless Brittany gets a recricked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is do another show tomorrow. This one's going to be more about the Supreme Court kind of a thing, what's going on. We're maybe a little late on it, but yeah, we'll talk about it and maybe spark up some conversation. And then tomorrow I want to do a show on Trump's fucking goddamn NATO trip and him. I want to talk about NATO a little bit because a lot of people don't understand how I'm going to go in the weeds here. But a lot of people don't understand how NATO was funded. They think that it's like some kitty Everybody pools money into, and if you're not in, you're not piling enough money in, then you owe us because we, it's not how it works. And Donald Trump is a, just a, a fucking ridiculous facsimile of an actual intelligent leader. And I want to talk about why he's wrong, but we'll do with that tomorrow. Um, today, let's do a little bit of the, of the, 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 the Supreme Court pick, Brett Kavanaugh. But before we get there, let's take some voicemails. A couple shows ago, we talked about um, a a police-involved shooting of an unarmed black man who was killed, shot in the back by Pittsburgh police, and we talked about it. I made a remark about hiring. This is a hiring issue. We had a caller call in. No, it's it's uh, it's not a hiring issue. It's a train. It is a training issue. I think we were kind of talking past one another, but Ranger Bob has called in. An actual law enforcement agent, officer, with his two cents. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Ranger Bob. A um, couple things called in about. Uh, one, you know, the on the, the cop thing, you guys pretty much covered it and hit it on nail on the head. I mean, it's definitely a hiring issue. It's definitely training issues. And also, the job can wear on people, especially, you know, the sheriff departments. Because those guys spend so much time in the jail and dealing with idiots. Um, you know, the worst people in our society on a regular basis, day in and day out. And they get really bad attitudes and start treating everybody like a criminal. And they get this bad attitude. You know, the sheriff department, those guys are in a union. They should be, you know, on our so-called side. But a lot of them are not. Fortunately, I work in a resource agency. And a lot of the guys I work with, probably at least 50% are... You know, they're on board with, uh, you know, sane views of uh, what's going on politically. And, um, you know, but we live in Orange County and it's weird. This is such a weird place. It doesn't represent the rest of California. You know, I live in the same area you guys do. And running into people, especially, you know, older white people, um, you know, they see my uniform and my Marine Corps pin on my uniform and assume I'm one of them. And But, you know, within 30 seconds of talking to, you know, this former Marine that walks through the park or walking this lady at the, you know, while waiting for my burrito, you know, within 30 seconds, they're regurgitating Fox News talking points like Deep State and Hillary's emails. And, uh, you know, it, it's just shocking to me. I mean, Fox is doing a good job, I guess, they're brainwashing these people. Um, but you know, the one lady I was talking to 
while waiting for my food, she she saw my Marine Corps pin and was telling me about her daughters who'd served in the military and how proud she was of them. But the main thing she was proud of them for was that they were conservative and conservative voters. And uh, wow, it's uh, just shocking to me. Um, oh, and Brittany, just so you know, donuts don't do it for me. I'm a state park ranger, peace officer, and park rangers prefer s'mores, not donuts. Ooh. Anyway, I'm enjoying the show. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Stay cool, and I'll talk to you soon. Stay cool. Still almost impossible. I tried to make a s'more in the microwave and did not work. It doesn't seem like it'd work out well for the marshmallow. Was not successful. Hmm. At all. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What happened? Can't just leave uh, me hanging. The the marshmallow went everywhere, exploded. Yeah, and... it's like a because that's a weird. Well, it was only fifteen seconds. I thought it would be fine, huh. and the graham cracker was like soft, um, kind of gross. It just didn't work out. Just it... all around, it's the opposite way to yeah, do. Yeah, it was not a good idea. Hmm. I remember when I was a kid, I would take the mushroom. I mean, not the mushroom. My, what kind of s'mores are you? I eating? would take the marshmallow and uh, put it on the stovetop. You know the. Like with the coils. The co- yeah, the electric stuff. And I would put it on the stovetop a bunch of times and burn it on all the sides. And then I would take the top layer off, eat the top layer, do it all over again. I'm sure that was fun to clean off. So uh, uh, as far as what Bob was talking about here, uh, it is those three things. But the hiring and then training subsequent to the hiring. And then there's that other element that I think you would be... I would be interested to know what you think, and that is the the burnout factor. You know, a lot of in sheriff's departments, they work in a jail first. They see just the the shittiest parts of humanity. Even being a cop, you're going to walk around and you're going to be dealing with the worst fucking people, and that has to take its toll. And police departments have to be better at keeping the culture clean of assholes by promoting self care within the organizations. Yeah, so that can include helping them, um, like incentivizing maybe access yeah. to counseling and providing them easy access to counseling, free counseling through the organization. It's gotta be free. Um, that way they can learn the skills necessary to like counter the thoughts and feelings they have while they're at work that ratchet up their frustration or irritability um, and things that they can do that help motivate them in their career, keep them feeling as though they're doing meaningful work um, and that they're making a difference. Because I'm sure when you're in that environment and like Ranger Bob said, you're dealing with the worst of the worst, it's hard to maintain a perspective that you are doing something useful, that you're contributing something that is useful um, or that you can um, in that situation. And so I think any, any time that they're able to have access to resources that allow them to talk about those things and vent their frustrations, that those outlets are so necessary to prevent them from acting out at work um, or allowing those thoughts and feelings they have to influence what they teach other people that are coming into the field. I think any, this should be mandatory. It should be compulsory in a job like this where you have the ability um, to take away someone's liberties mm-hmm. where you can detain other citizens. Uh, uh, counseling, psychological assessment, all therapy, talk therapy, it should be a mandatory 
expected thing. And if you don't want to do it, I'm too cool for that. Well, then fuck you. You don't got this job. It really should be. Well, even for therapists, they talk about self-care being so important. And I would always laugh about it in my program when they would talk about it. Like, oh, let's journal about what you did for (laughs) self-care. But it is really important because we live in America and it's all about climbing the ladder and getting more and what's your achievement versus your neighbor. Make sure that you have yeah. the best car, the best whatever. And so we're all in like this competition and you got to check that and you need to do stuff that you enjoy and work on your family relationships, your friendships, there's other things that are more important than that stuff. And um, taking the time to participate in activities that fill you with joy, make you forget about the things that stress you out, those are important for maintaining your sanity. Um, And also being productive at work and continuing to do what's important. And if you're a cop, not kill people when you're in the field because you're so frustrated and hate your job. Maybe that's a too much levity after such a important and gravitous thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Perfect. Thank you, Ranger Bob. We appreciate the feedback. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Moving on. Uh, last time on the show, we talked about Adam Bloom. The, what are they calling him? Um, pool Patrol Bloom or something. Pool something. Patrol Paul? No, they, it's, they actually incorporated his name oh, somehow. Oh, I don't know. So this guy in North Carolina, not um, Colorado, as I said, he called the cops on a black family that had every right to be there because they lived in the complex, in the uh, neighborhood, in the homeowners association, called the cops and wanted them to prove they live there, all this bullshit. Anyway, uh, it went viral. You've probably seen it. If you listened last time, you know about it. And he got fired from his job. And I questioned the whether that was the right move or whether that was too far and whether or not it was racist or it was racism on his part or just implicit bias that triggered that reaction in him. And we got pushback on both of those things. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Jesse. This is Wendy from Warsaw, Indiana. Um, I'm listening to episode 424. And... uh, I kind of feel like you're just pulling the semantic card, Jesse, when you say that there's a difference between bias and race when the bias is against people of color. Um, Or maybe I'm just misinterpreting what you're meaning. Perhaps you can clarify for me. When you, about the gentleman in the pool and and his quote-unquote bias, um, to me, if your bias is against the one black lady that's that's up in your pool, up in your space, you're a racist. Uh, there, there is no, you're, you're acting like a racist. And yeah, maybe you take your pool rules seriously because you're the pool king or whatever. But I, I, I don't find there to be a fine line between those two. Let's, let's call it like you see it. I mean, like I'm from Indiana. I'm from I, I'm from a blue area of Indiana, but now I live in a very deep red area. And there's no fine line. It is what it is. 
and I choose to call a spade a spade. That dude's a racist. Thanks so much for doing the show, guys. I love you. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. So I think you're you, Jesse, are probably making a um distinction between bias and racism um as influenced by like the implicit association test or impl- implicit bias. Yeah. That that kind of construct. Is that correct? Yes. I think where I went maybe wrong in explaining this or how I feel about it. And maybe I am wrong, but I don't I'm still not convinced is that bias is something like within your head that you think that you fear. If you see a, a black guy standing on the side of the street, and you pull your purse a little closer. It's not racism in and of itself. It's just your bias is showing a little bit. Maybe where I went wrong and explain it is that and maybe where Wendy is right here is that when your bias leaves your fucking head and takes the form in actually oppressing someone, then it becomes racism. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But Mm -hmm. the other thing is all bias isn't racism, but all racism is bias. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with Wendy. I just, I want to be very fucking careful when throwing around the word racist and the accusation of racism because it, it's a it is a life ending career ending job ending accusation mm-hmm. you know what i mean so we want to be really sure that we're calling eventually it's going to be a deal where you call so many people racist who aren't racist and when you do it Someone's not going to believe you when it's true. It's like crying wolf, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I I want. I just want to be very, very careful about that particular accusation. And I look. It's easy for me to say. I want to be real careful. We don't call non-racist racist. I'm a fucking white guy. I've never been under the watchful gaze of some white lady pulling her purse closer. Mm-hmm. So I've not lived that the the trauma of that i've not lived the experience of that the oppression of that but i I think everybody would want to be careful about not falsely accusing someone is it likely this guy's a racist yeah i think it's likely but i don't know Mm -hmm. now if we find that there's a track record of this guy being an asshole i almost (laughs) called him something else um then yeah i don't know anyway is part of what is motivating your desire to not call people racist so quickly the accusation from people on the right that liberals are calling everyone Nazis? Well, I'm sure that plays into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure that plays into it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't have... It's not all f- fleshed out in my head right now. Right. You know, I just... I. I I don't know. Yeah. So when you were saying everything's a work in progress with me, you know. (laughs) So so when you were saying that on the last episode, I immediately went to okay. He's drawing a distinction between um, racism and like implicit bias, yes, which is like the implicit association test, which you can go take, which shows you if you have like an implicit preference 
for white people over black people. Yes. Or black people over white people. Yes. Um, and it has other groups as well. It's not just those groups. Um, but they they say, the people who created the test, and there's a lot of controversy over the IAT right now, but um, they, they say that simply showing a preference for one group over the other does not necessarily indicate prejudice. So people take this test and then they get like a moderate preference for white people over black people and they go, oh, I'm racist. But that's not necessarily... I, I show a preference for whites over blacks when mm-hmm. I took the test. Yeah. And I don't even think moderate. I think it was it spiked up. Like it was... I had that reaction. Mm-hmm. I may not have physically gasped like you did, mm-hmm. but it certainly was alarming to me. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Well, a third of black participants show an implicit preference for white people relative to black people. On that test? Mm-hmm. And um, Asian participants tend to show an implicit preference for white people relative to black people. Hmm. So there are interesting findings that there's there's many theories out there as to why this could be happening um is it simple in-group preference well those results i just talked about would fly in the face of that right that they're not just simple in-group preferences but they don't say that it's necessarily about prejudice right that simply having a preference for one group over the other is not necessarily prejudice against the group that you don't prefer. Right. Well, that's where the action and the proactivity comes in mm-hmm. of of recognizing that you have a bias mm-hmm. and working real fucking hard to make sure that it doesn't affect the way you treat other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Wendy, I don't know. I'm certainly not saying you're wrong. This motherfucker could for sure... <laughs> For sure, could be a racist. We, I just, I don't want to be, I don't want to pull the trigger too quickly on that. So, mm-hmm. thanks for the call. For sure, we appreciate it. Uh, next up, another person who disagrees with me, Eric. Hey guys, this is Eric from the Midwest. Um, I know you didn't want to harp on the Adam Bloom pool guy, um, but I, I finally found something where I, I kind of disagree on him losing his job. Uh, if I was an employer, I'd say he'd have to go. Uh, the point is he, you know, just not that he called the police on a black woman at the pool, but he just would not say he was sorry, um, wouldn't let it go. So if, if I'm a owner of a certain place of business, uh, and I have, you know, employees that are minorities or trying to get people to, you know, buy my product or be involved in my business, I don't see the positive of having an individual like this walking around in any way. Uh, It it was just so wrong on so many levels that he had to pay for his actions. That's the way it works. Uh, he, He could not say he was sorry, could not, you know, say I stand correct, you know, it's just this individual has a bias, and I don't see him saying anything to a six-foot-five, 280-pound minority. He he seemed like a pretty cowardice person to me. Uh, Good good discussions. Talk to you later. Bye. That's a great point. (laughs) I would would love to see that interaction go down, actually. Especially um, when he was such such a coward in the even in this case that he wouldn't even look look her in the eye. 
Yes. And you actually see that a lot, right? Um, like the the guy that was just recorded in the park talking to the woman who had the Puerto Rico shirt on. Yeah, yeah. Asking her if she was a citizen. And he's a man. And he was getting in her face because she's a woman. Right. And well, one when of the these... brother showed up, holy shit, the, 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 the tide turned. Yeah, but one of these days, these dudes are going to talk to the wrong lady. Yeah. And um, they're going to be surprised when it's like a scrappy my mom type. Yeah, um, she, <laughs> she takes the barbecue tongs and beats the life out of him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a pretty shocking turn of events for them. A pretty shocking Turn of events. Mm -hmm. Look at you with your fucking jokes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's in the rotation now, too. Oh, no, 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 no. It is in the rotation. Perfect. Look at you with your (laughs) fucking jokes. So, um... That's not me. Eric. Again, he makes good points. I don't necessarily disagree. How, How bold am I about my opinions today that everybody's just swaying me? (laughs) <laughs> I just, I, I was thinking about his kids. And if he can't prove that he's being a racist, and I mean, look, if he, like I said, if he has a past history of this, then yeah, you know, and also look, let me say this, I know I'm all over the fucking board, is I don't think that Sunoco, whoever the fuck he worked for, I don't fault them at all. If they make a choice, yeah, hey, look, we want this guy off the payroll. <laughs> that's up to them. That's a, that's a business decision because look, you, look, Dick, you put yourself in a bad position where you're damaging the name of the company. You gots to go. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. I just don't know if I'd made the same decision so quickly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's that's me. I don't own a multi-billion dollar company with hundreds of thousands of jobs at stake. You know, I don't know. So, anyway, thanks for the call, everybody. If you have an opinion about this, you want to disagree, you want to agree, we'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email all of those those those, those voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We would love to hear from you. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. So we have a supporter who upped their pledge, but then also someone who donated on PayPal. Nice. So Rendy. Rendy. Upped her pledge. That is fantastic. And. Seriously. Awesome. And Joel. Joel. Donated on PayPal. That is great. Yes. So, Joel, you will be getting a sticker here in the mail shortly. Yes. And thank you, guys. It's beautiful. And since you just mentioned stickers, Mm -hmm. we are still selling. We only ordered a a small amount of those, Um, but there are still plenty to go around on those Dollamore page 2020 stickers, the mock campaign button stickers. Mm-hmm. And you can go to dollamore.com on the left-hand side of the page that you'll see the link that says stickers shop. Oh. And there you can help support the show by buying yourself a sticker, a real cool sticker that I'm actually very proud of because 
the unartistic, the inartistic idiot, Jesse Dollimore, uh, designed that sticker on the Photoshop. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I don't know how impressive it is, but... Uh, I think it's, it's impre- really impressive. It's a thank you. It's impressive relative to my actual ability. Mm. It's very impressive. <laughs> it's like building a, a, a rocket to the fucking moon. Because <laughs> I'm not artistic yes. or very skilled at the Photoshop. Well... I think the sticker proves otherwise. Mm, well, we'll sir. see. Anyway, uh, thanks for all of your support. We love you. We appreciate you. If given that way, if supporting the show, helping produce the show that way isn't your flavor, you can go to dollamore.com slash Amazon when you're getting ready to buy something on Amazon and we get a little bit. You don't pay any more and everybody wins. You get the crap you wanted to buy. Well, we got a little bit. Just a little bit. So that is awesome. Thank you, guys. We appreciate you. We love you and your dedication, your loyalty to the show so much. Democracy Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the hypocrisy, it's not even the hypocrisy of the Republican Party and Republicans in power right now that bother me so much or that bothers me so much, it's the, there's no fucking shame in it Mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. There is absolutely no shying away from, oh yeah, we're being assholes right now. We're going to try to be undercover about it. They're just out there. Mitch McConnell, prior to Donald Trump's announcement of Brett Kavanaugh to be the next Supreme Court justice to replace Anthony Kennedy, Mitch McConnell took to the Senate floor to give a speech from his little front desk up there. And it is unbelievable the bullshit that he was willing to say openly on the record on the floor of the Senate after having torpedoed, stalled, obstructed the nomination of Merrick Garland. The accusations of the Democrats now, they're going to obstruct this pick. They're not going to go along with their constitutional duty to of advice and consent on nominations to the Supreme Court via the according to the Constitution. It is rank hypocrisy uh, that is unparalleled. And I don't know if it bothers me more because he's not even being slick about it or or what. I have no idea. But listen to some of this. To the Supreme Court. The name of the federal judge? Anthony Kennedy. After President Reagan nominated then Judge Kennedy to the court in 1987, these far left special interest groups impinged his character. They cooked up apocalyptic warnings about all the terrible things, terrible things, that would happen to Americans if he were confirmed to the court. Of course, the American people didn't buy it, and a majority of senators saw through the hyperbole and hysteria and confirmed that qualified nominee. And believe it or not, Mr. President, the sky didn't fall. Didn't fall. But decades later, our Democratic colleagues still haven't tired of crying wolf whenever a Republican president nominates anyone, anyone, to the Supreme Court. 
We've seen the same movie time after time after time. Less than three years after Justice Kennedy's confirmation, President Bush nominated David Souter to the Supreme Court. Guess what left-wing pressure group said about David Souter right after President Bush selected him? That's right, the very same things you're hearing today. The same things you've heard from these same corners about every Supreme Court nominee named by a Republican president. One organization proclaimed that Justice Souter might, quote, undo the advances made by women, minorities, dissenters, and other disadvantaged groups. That was about Justice Souter. And back in 1975, they assailed the nomination of John Paul Stevens. They said he lacked impartiality and opposed women's rights. That's what they said about John Paul Stevens. So these far-left groups have been at these same scare tactics, Mr. President, for over 40 years. The consistency is really quite amazing. Decade after decade, nominee after nominee, the far left script hardly changes at all. Anyone and everyone a Republican president nominates to the Supreme Court is some kind of threat to the Republic. According to the hysterical press releases that inevitably follow, no matter their qualifications, no matter their record, no matter their reputation, it's the same hyperbole, the same accusations, the same old story. Tonight, President Trump will announce his nominee to fill the current Supreme Court vacancy. We don't know who he will name, but we already know exactly what unfair tactics the nominee will face. They won't be new and they won't be warranted. We can expect to hear how they'll destroy equal rights or demolish American health care or ruin our country in some other fictional way. Justice Kennedy's resignation letter had barely arrived in the president's hands before several of our Democratic colleagues began declaring their blanket opposition to anyone at all, anyone, that the president might name. Obviously, there's <laughs> a lot to talk about here, especially Ugh. with that final sentence there at the end. But so I want to know why then Mitch McConnell was so adamant about refusing to give Merrick Garland a hearing. Yeah. If, if the conservative justice is going to be so pointless and the liberals are just being so dramatic about the non-impact that they're going to have then why was he so desperate to retain access to the seat that he wouldn't yeah. allow Merrick Garland to even have a hearing? That's exactly right. If if the sky if the sky's not going to be falling, is there doom and gloom over here, old body? With your slow ass saying in three and a half minutes what he could have said in a minute and a half, <laughs> if the sky's not falling, then why the fuck did you block Merrick Garland? That's a great point. Yeah, it's why does it matter then? They pulled out all the stops. They did everything they could to make sure because of the liberal swing of the court to make sure Merrick Garland didn't get confirmed. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even give him meetings, let alone hearings. Yeah. A president mm -hmm. did what was constitutionally required. 
right. nominated a qualified individual mm-hmm. who was lauded by people on both sides yep. as fair and capable mm-hmm. and qualified and even-handed. And Mitch McConnell got all dramatic. And Mitch McConnell got all <laughs> dramatic, pulled out all the stops, and wouldn't even allow him a hearing. So the exact same things that he's accusing yes. the liberals of doing every time there's a conservative nominee, he did the same thing. Not only did they do the same thing, Brittany, they changed Senate rules to where you needed only 51 votes to 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 confirm mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. which isn't didn't used to be the case. The, the opposition party could always, generations passed, you needed 60 votes for what's called cloture, a cloture vote, which limits debate. Mm-hmm. You don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. You just need 51 votes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's antithetical to, to what the fuck we got going on here in this country. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect anything else from Mitch McConnell though. This is kind of, yeah. uh, what he does. Well, you know what, what else is different in this country that has never been done until Donald Trump. And that is this weird fucking ass kissing that gets done. Oh. After Donald Trump announced in his insane reality show way that he did it, mm-hmm. where they were off hiding in an ante room <laughs> until he announced. Yeah. Yeah. And then they come walking out with the family. It's like the spectacle of it. Fucking weird. Yeah. Well, after he announces his name, Kavanaugh gets up, gives a little speech, a little three-minute, a little four-minute ditty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what do you think he does? He gets down on his knees Uh-oh. and juggles Donald Trump's balls for about four minutes. Yikes. This is part of that juggling. Throughout this process, I've witnessed firsthand your appreciation for the vital role of the American judiciary. <laughs> no president has ever consulted more widely or talked with more people from more backgrounds to seek input about a Supreme Court nomination. Mr. President, I am grateful to you and I'm humbled by your confidence in me. So it's a bummer. It's a bummer that the clip ended right there because he actually goes on to talk about how big the inauguration crowd was. Uh. And <laughs> no, he, he didn't really do that, but... Can you believe that? It is shocking. That is, but maybe he understands, though, that, well, no, because he was already nominated. No, but Donald Trump could pull the nomination. Okay. Until he's confirmed, he's not in the Supreme Court yet. Okay, so maybe he does feel like, I need to continue doing what works here. And he has seen what works for Donald Trump, and that is... To praise him, to especially in front of the cameras. Embarrassingly obsequious. And it's probably working. I mean, yeah. right now, Brett Kavanaugh is probably his favorite person. He probably has a poster on his ceiling and stares at it as he goes to bed because he is the guy who gave him praise most recently in yeah, his life. <laughs> for sure. And he's going to hang on to that for as long as he can. Now, a lot of people, I, I'm going with, to withhold judgment because there's a lot of doom and gloom right now. We just don't fucking know how this guy's going to vote until he starts voting. So I don't think there's any reason to freak out about abortion, about health until it starts happening. 
I mean, I think we should block this motherfucker for sure. <laughs> I think if the Senate, if the Democrats, which is very unlikely, but if they can pull it off to block this guy, then do it. But if there's going to be opposition and it's going to cause, see, here's the deal. There's two things happening here. One, there is a, an almost perfect storm has to happen for the United, for the Democrats to, to take over the Senate. All, it's almost. But we need one, we need all the Democrats to vote no. Even the Democrats that are up for re-election in red states. All of them. Mm-hmm. McCain's not going to be in there. They have a 51-vote majority with McCain. If McCain doesn't vote, that means that it'll be 50 to 49. So we still need one, two votes to make it happen. Mm -hmm. So we need to turn at least Susan Collins, which would make it then 50 to 49. Mm -hmm. In this case, there's no real way for it to be a tie Mm -hmm. where Mike Pence could break the tie. Mm -hmm. So if we flip one Republican, it's 50-49 us. No confirmation because mm-hmm. McCain's not going to vote. And people are talking about Lisa Murkowski of Alaska yes. and Susan Collins as, as well. So those two have been talked about pretty prominently because of all of the discussion about abortion. Yeah. And both Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, who are Republicans, are pro-choice. Yes. And so they, of course, went to ask all of the senators afterward, after the announcement was made. And they're all pretty much saying, with few exceptions, like Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, who have already announced that they're going to vote no. Um, Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski are giving the kind of canned response of, I need to take a look at his record and I cannot tell you how I would vote because I take this responsibility very seriously and I need to do a thorough vetting before I announce how I'm going to vote. So which, I, which I trust. I, I I value that and think that that is an important process. I'm kind of being a dick right now, but I understand that response that they haven't read enough. They need to do some deep dive into his background. I totally get that. Right. Um, that makes sense to me. But Which the Justice Department under Rod Rosenstein right now is they just requested several... Many, many, many uh, um, district attorneys, mm-hmm. not district attorneys, uh, U.S. attorneys mm-hmm. um, to to lend them lawyers from their areas to, to pull the hundreds of thousands of documents related to his time with the Justice Department. Mm-hmm. So, look, here's my prediction. He's going to get confirmed. And if that's the case, and, and the Democrats feel that way, because they've got the whip, they understand, they know who's going to be voting which way. Uh, they need to let Manchin and those guys vote the way they're going to vote to keep them in office in order to take the Senate. Because if it looks like he's going to get it anyway, don't damage their electability. Keep them in a position to to because we need West Virginia. You're talking about right now just just so that the listeners are <laughs> aware because people might not be. You're talking about Joe Manchin, a Democrat who is up for re-election in a red state. In Trump country. And so you're in, saying... In a state that Trump won by over 30 points. Right. Yes. And so you're saying if these Democrats who are up for re-election in red states vote to confirm, they will be more likely to retain their seat in the Senate. Right. Helping us secure, helping Democrats secure the majority yes. in the Senate. Which Heidi Heitkamp in North Dakota is one. 
Joe Manchin is another, but it needs to be a perfect fucking storm in order for the Democrats to take the Senate back. Mm -hmm. And if if Donald Trump is going to get impeached, we need the Senate because that's where the trial happens. Now, we need more than just 51 votes to impeach Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. We need 66. We need 67. Yeah, this is why people um, rightfully hate politics because... Because so much of it isn't necessarily just about principled decisions. It's about this game that you have to play. And am but I going to... reality. Yeah, I understand that. But I'm just saying that this plays a role in it because yeah. it is kind of about the game and not necessarily making a principled decision based on what you genuinely feel about Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, but th- hang on. This is th- The reason this is so impactful and tough, though, is because... And look, I'm not, I'm not dismissing this. This is a serious thing. This is a guy who's been on the court for 30 years. He's like 50, 50 years old, right around there. And he could be on the court for for 30 years, mm-hmm. a generation. Mm-hmm. So it is important. But Donald Trump's going to get a pick one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So you either, either gird your loins, as they say, and hope for a, a Senate majority to impeach this motherfucker mm-hmm. and to cut off cut off the the future uh, appointments but they're going to get that anyway because even if you impeach Donald Trump you're you're going to have a Mike Pence you're going to have another conservative ding dong but you might have a more reasonable conservative ding dong who's not going to be <laughs> appointing insane picks like Donald Trump is mm-hmm. because th- this list that he had put together by the uh by the uh Federalist Society mm-hmm. well, one it's unprecedented Do- presidents don't rely on outside groups to, oh, who do you guys think I should put in there? Wait, so he didn't spend a bunch of time looking and interviewing and talking? I'm glad you said that because that's the other thing that he said that was fucking, just on its face, fucking false. You mean he, Brett Kavanaugh? Yeah, Brett Kavanaugh said, oh, you've no president has ever looked de- high and low as you and <laughs> deep and wide as the ocean's blue. Like, if I, shut the fuck up. He interviewed four people over two hours, and now it's coming out that it was likely already prearranged between Donald Trump and and Anthony Kennedy that this be the guy. Because Brett Kavanaugh was his clerk. Yes. Mm -hmm. So come on, get the fuck out of here. So he's starting off his uh, pathway to nomination with a lie. That's perfect. Sounds like a great guy. So, But here, I want to talk about the abortion thing. Go okay. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, I just before we get into specific details, I want to kind of talk about where he is likely to fall on the ideological spectrum yes. on the, on the court. So, there is this score that the justices receive called the Judicial Common Space Score. And this allows people to put the justices on an ideological spectrum. So, at the far left, you have Ginsburg and Sotomayor um right on top of each other. They're pretty much the same. Um, with Ginsburg a little closer to the center. Yeah, that's right. And then moving closer to the center, you have Kagan and then Breyer. And then you move closer and closer to the center and it had Kennedy like right to the left of center, directly Mm -hmm. to the left of center, but almost touching the center line. Um, So moving into the right. And this is not on the political spectrum. This is relative to the other members of the court. Well, this score is not based on their rulings. It's based on their nomination and confirmation process. Mm. So these scores are typically based on um, the ideology of the judge's home state senators. 
and who nominated them. Hmm. So because Brett Kavanaugh served on the D.C. circuit and D.C. does not have any senators, that doesn't play a role in his judicial common space score. Um, But he was nominated to that position by George W. Bush. Right. So that... The D.C. Circuit. Yeah, so that is what is giving him his judicial common space score. Yeah. So um, to the to the right of center, you have Roberts first, and he's like within a reasonable distance of that middle line. And then you have Alito and Gorsuch right on top of each other. Yeah. And then to the right of them, you have Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. And then right and then after him is Thomas. Yeah. So he is just to the left of Clarence Thomas. Which is kind of scary because Clarence Thomas is a fucking wild card right wing nutter butter. Yeah. So that's a, the, looking at this chart makes one concerned. Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the thing I wanted to talk about relative to the abortion thing, and look, I don't want to, like I said, we I don't want to get all doom and gloom, gloom and crazy and conspiratorial about we're for sure, we're doomed, this is terrible, because we don't know until he starts voting. And we shouldn't really get stressed until then. However, I will say this. So I'll say all that, and then let's say this. Uh-oh. Is Republicans for a generation have been, oh, yeah, we're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. We're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. We're going to get some conservative justices. That's what we're looking to do. That is our plan. That is our strategy. Mm-hmm. But this week has been a little different. Now this politics, they put this video out of the one of the reporters walking around asking senators and congressmen, elected officials, about, hey, listen, it's your, been your position for years. Aren't you very happy that you finally get a judge who's going to overrule Roe versus Wade. And you would think that they would be, oh, yeah, we are thrilled. Instead, they're all keeping their fucking mouths shut. Roe v. Wade, are you hoping it can be overturned real soon? You folks, because you running away. have been running on overturning Roe v. Wade. Why would you be afraid of answering that question now? It's a simple question, right? Are you excited to appoint a judge that will overturn Roe v. Wade? It'll be four judges appointed by presidents that achieve the minority of the popular vote. Senator Heller, you're up for re-election. Why won't you say where you stand on the issues? Republicans have run on that for generations. Is it something that makes you happy? We may finally rid ourselves of Roe v. Wade. Look, this is something I really don't understand. You guys have been... You guys have been running on this for so long, and I'm going to be honest with you, not a single Republican has answered that question, has said that they're happy Justice Kennedy is retiring because Roe v. Wade is on its last legs now. No comment. Once in a generation opportunity to appoint a judge that will overturn Roe v. Wade. Are you excited about that? Can I ask you one more question? Roe v. Wade seems threatened for the first time in generations. Is it something you're happy about? You know what? Call my office. Thank you. I just want to know what you're... I, got, I, I do have a meeting i got to get to, so... I'll be very just quick. Give me a second. But hold on. Just give me a second. Oh, got it. Okay. Phone to the ear, didn't Big die. Big chance to overturn Roe v. Wade. Is this something you're looking forward to? I mean, for generations, Republicans have been running on overturning Roe v. Wade, and now, now you got the chance. Does it make you happy? 
Are you optimistic about Roe v. Wade being overturned with the news of the uh, Supreme Court, Ms. Handel? This isn't a trick question. I'm I'm trying to figure out where you are on Roe v. Wade. Nobody really follows that. Are you looking forward to casting a vote for a Supreme Court justice that will overturn Roe v. Wade? You folks pretty happy that Roe v. Wade looks to be on its last legs? I mean, after all these decades, you will probably have the vote on the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. That's got to have you jumping for joy, right? If the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, abortion is illegal in Wisconsin in instantaneously? Um, I haven't been in the state legislature for a while. Is that something that you would be happy with? <laughs> no comment. Are you? I'll run with you. Can I ask you one more question? So, how many people did he talk to in that video? Every time you heard him ask, that was a separate person. So, 25, I mean, a lot of people. And yeah. several of them were literally, literally running away. <laughs> like, oh, I've got to get to a meeting right now. Oh, oh. In a yeah. hurry, big things, important things, <laughs> and they're running from him. Yeah. Um, Mike Pence was interviewed by Dana Bash, and he actually did not run away from this question. Um, he, like Donald Trump during the campaign, Donald Trump said that R Roe versus Wade would be overturned, quote, automatically because I will put pro-life justices on the court. Asked during a debate by Chris Wallace, he said that it will go back to the states. To yeah. decide. And so Mike Pence it, was asked by Dana Bash about this issue with Brett Kavanaugh, and he stood his ground. In uh, 2006, Brett Kavanaugh testified that Roe versus Wade is settled law. You campaigned extensively on the notion that Roe versus Wade should be consigned to the ash heap of history. Are you worried that he's not going to follow what you want to do? Well, Dana, as you know, I'm pro-life. I don't apologize for it. Mm. And I'm proud to be part of a pro-life administration that's oh. advanced pro-life policies. Yeah. But what I can assure you is that what the president was looking for here mm. was a nominee who will respect the Constitution as written, who will faithfully uh, uphold the Constitution in all of his interpretations of the law. Do you still want Roe v. Wade to be overturned? Well, I, I do, but I, I, I haven't been nominated to the Supreme Court. Right, but I mean, you're Judge part of the Kavanaugh administration has. that campaigned, you and the president That's campaigned, right. saying right. you will find nominees to overturn Roe versus Wade. Will you be disappointed if he is given that opportunity and he doesn't? Will well, you be disappointed? Well, let me say, as I said, I, I, I stand for the sanctity of life. This administration, this president are pro-life. But, you know, what, what the American people ought to know is that, as the president said today, this is not an issue that he discussed with Judge Kavanaugh. I didn't discuss it with him either. What we really focused on was the character, the background, the credentials, and the judicial philosophy. But again, you, you campaigned so aggressively on finding a nominee who would overturn Roe versus Wade do you feel confident? Can you can you assure the people who voted for you on that notion that this is the man who will 
do that. Well, what, what I can assure people that voted for us is that this will continue to be a pro-life administration. From early in this administration, President Trump has taken decisive steps um, to advance uh, pro-life values at home and, and, frankly, in foreign aid around the world. But what I can also assure people is that the president believes that the proper consideration for a nominee to the court is not about litmus tests. I mean, frankly, we, we've seen enough of litmus tests over the decades. What, what we don't want is to have people go to the courts with a specific uh, objective or policy criteria. We want people to go that respect the Constitution, respect the Constitution as written, will not legislate from the bench. Right. And President Trump and I are absolutely well, convinced that, that Judge Kavanaugh is exactly the kind of jurist that the American people in the majority want to see. He's just, anyway. he's, he's the worst. But um, Dana Bash. His smug fucking earnestness, that fake bullshit. It had earned any other person to slap across the fucking face. Dana. Goddamn. <laughs> Yikes. Um, Dana Bash was really taking care of biz there because. <laughs> the views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Please proceed. So I appreciated how she, he was wiggle, 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 wiggle. Yeah, yeah. And she was not letting him get out of it. I mean, eventually he's just going to get out of it because he's a professional politician. Oh, I think he's a piece of shit. Professional politician. Um, But... These are important questions to ask. And I like how at the end there she said, well, what about the people who voted for you, right? I mean, you like promised them this. Yeah. What, what do you have to say to them? <laughs> um, that was really great. But Brett Kavanaugh obviously was selected from that short list of judges that you were talking about that was provided from the um, Federalist Society, yeah. which has been advocating overturning Roe versus Wade yeah, since one, 1982. It's one of their stated objectives. And Brett Kavanaugh is actually a longtime member of the Federalist yes. Society. So <laughs> him saying that they didn't talk about the abortion issue. I don't buy it. Yeah. How likely do you <laughs> think that is? Fucking zero chance. They're liars. When he is on the list, they got the list well, from listen, the society. Maybe, maybe they have plausible deniability to say they didn't do it, but they certainly had a fucking staff member talk to him about it. Hey, mm -hmm. listen, they're not going to ask you so they can say they didn't ask you, but here's a deal, bro. What do you think? Yeah. It was certainly communicated to, Do to Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Fucking for sure. I think there was probably just one question actually, during the interview. And it was, oh, hello, Brett Kavanaugh. Did you write this? Quote, we should not burden a sitting president with civil suits, criminal investigations, or criminal prosecutions. The president's job is difficult enough as it is. And the country loses when the president's focus is distracted by the burdens of civil litigation or criminal investigation and possible prosecution. Did you write that, Brett Kavanaugh? Because if you did, then you're in. That last point that Senator Booker was making there, that this nominee um, was chosen off a list, which is an unusual thing, right? Previous presidents haven't done this. But this president said that he would choose nominees from a list prepared by conservative interest groups. Brett Kavanaugh was added to that list late last year. What Senator Booker is saying, that he's the one person on that list who's 
explicitly and multiply on the record uh, talking about a president's liability to criminal investigation and indictment um, and saying, as Senator Booker said, that a president should not be subject to criminal investigation and cannot be indicted. Uh, if he's the one guy from that list of two dozen choices who's been explicit on that point, uh, is that the signal element that we should see here in this choice? Joining us once again is Dahlia Lithwick, senior editor and legal correspondent at Slate.com. Dahlia, to this point, um, is Senator Booker correct that Kavanaugh has an explicit, overt record on this subject that might have appealed to the president because of his own legal woes? I think that if the president were poring over the writings of every single person on his list, uh, Judge Kavanaugh would have given him most sucker. I want to Actually, just clarify one tiny thing, Rachel. I think it's important. I think in Judge Kavanaugh's Law Review article where he talked about this, he didn't say as a constitutional matter the president should be immune from all civil and criminal liability. He said Congress should pass a law to protect the president. Mm -hmm. So not that we think Congress is capable of doing anything in any sense, but I don't think he was making the constitutional point that is quite so broad that he, you he know, was making a political he argument was make, exactly. that, that there, the impeachment of a president would, would essentially put a prosecutor in the position of supplanting Congress's responsibility to impeach. Yeah, I, and I just think it's important because I think it's, it's not quite as, you know, dispositive of this question as we like to think. But on your question, and I think it's so important, if you think about how much fire Brett Kavanaugh drew, Ted Cruz hated him, we had the whole Federalist was, was posting anonymous post after another saying, we're not going to be for Trump if he puts Kavanaugh up. Mm -hmm. What was the resistance to Kavanaugh? What was the resistance? So, I, you know, it's been really interesting to me because I thought for a very long time it was just that he wasn't a sort of religious conservative. This wasn't going to be the firefight that some of the evangelical community wanted. And now I think it's just that they're not completely certain uh, Ted Cruz has been warning all along he's going to be a suitor. You know, he's going to he's going to list to the are there any, But as an observer of these things, are there any indications in his record that he I mean, he's got more than 300 opinions. opinions. He's been on the appeals court for a dozen years and it's the D.C. circuit. So it's lots of high profile cases there. Lots of very ideologically charged cases. He was Bush Gore uh, recount. Uh, Bush lawyer. He was a, a George W. Bush White House employee for more than four years. Like, what in the record? What in his record would allow conservative critics to see him as a squish? I have no idea, but I know that I was stunned at how they came out with the long knives mm -hmm. against him. And I think that Donald Trump was making exactly the calculus you and Senator Booker just identified. That if I have to figure out who to mollify here, I've got all these groups who are angry about someone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to myself. I'm going to pick the guy who said most expansively uh, in writings over the years uh, what the scope of presidential power is. And I think that in that sense, you see Trump not looking at the sort of landscape of who's, who, who do I need to satisfy for these upcoming midterms? Mm -hmm. He's saying, how do I protect myself? How do I me? protect myself? Again, let's just quote directly uh, Judge Kavanaugh from a 1998 Georgetown Law Journal article, quote, Congress should establish, as well, important to point that out, Congress should establish that the president can be indicted only after he leaves office voluntarily or is impeached by the House and convicted and removed by the Senate. That's Kavanaugh on the record saying there should be no indictment of mm -hmm. a sitting president. Mm -hmm. Now, as a point of clarification, that wasn't from 1998. That was either from 2008 or 2009 that he wrote that because in 1998 
Mm-hmm. He was working for Ken Starr. Yeah. Or just, just, he had just got done working for Ken Starr. The independent counsel investigating Bill Clinton. Trying to impeach Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. So when he's against the Democrat, oh yeah, we can get rid of this motherfucker. And then as soon as he works for a, a Republican president, he's writing papers saying, oh no. Sorry, y'all. President's too busy. Yeah, he... So this, he's, he's a political operative, this fucking guy. Well, it wasn't just that he worked for Ken Starr. He was the lead author on the Starr Report. That's right. Which actually outlined the grounds for Clinton's impeachment. Like the 11, the, the 11 reasons, causes uh, for impeachment. Yeah, so... <laughs> justification. I remember listening to Susan Collins on The Daily last week or whatever, and she was talking about how it's so unfortunate that people make this out to be a partisan get the fuck out of um, situation and that when people get to the Supreme Court, Ugh. we shouldn't be thinking, oh, we're going to have this many liberals and this many conservatives, that it should be a nonpartisan thing. And it's like, yeah. what planet are you living on? No, no. You were, you were just a turd yeah. out there. <laughs> you know how this works. Yeah. You know? Um, so it, it's very frustrating that this is what we're dealing with. Brett Kavanaugh having um, worked on the report to get Clinton impeached um, now suddenly doesn't think that president should be indicted while they're president. Yeah. And don't kid yourself. This is the reason this guy was picked. Donald Trump is hedging his bets, hoping that this is the way this guy really feels. I think we can all just hope that when it comes down to it and when pressed, this man is going to do the right thing by the country and not be ideologically driven by party. Because if he's only thinking about the party and about what's good for Donald Trump, we're in trouble. Yeah. If he actually thinks about the evidence and what the fuck is going on here, he will do what's right for the union. And I am not hopeful. So we would love to know what you think. There's still a f- couple clips to go here, but uh, it's been one of those weeks for me. Mm. I don't know. It's I always like to leave people feeling good, mm-hmm. you know. But it's been one of those weeks. It's it's been very tough that this is where we are in America. That this is where we are with Donald Trump now. I am still very bullish on what Mueller has in store. He just ordered like a uh, like hundred blank subpoenas or something relative to the prior to the, 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 the trial of Manafort. So that looks good. That should buoy everybody's spirits uh, about getting out of getting out of the weeds. Getting Donald Trump behind us, looking for indictments against him, out of office, whether it be through impeachment and then indictment, whatever. But put an end to this chapter in American history because we are in danger as a country of losing our souls. So it's been tough. <laughs> Obviously. Um, hopefully tomorrow, eh, put something together about the NATO thing. And just kind of poke around about what the fuck is going on with Donald Trump. And why is he acting in a manner that will benefit Russia at every single turn 
including going to NATO and acting like an asshole, trying to tear down 70-year alliances that were built in opposition to the Soviet Union, what later became Russia itself. No good. It's the asshole of today. Well, the founder and public face of Papa John's Pizza. Oh, yeah. John Schnatter? Is that his Is name? It Shatner or Schnatner? It's S-C-H-N-A-T-T-E-R. I don't know. <laughs> You're good. I, I, I've heard it said before, but I don't know. Okay. So this guy. What did you think it was? Say it again. Well, I don't think it, it's I don't think it's Shatner like William Shatner like uh, Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Uh, I don't fucking know, man. Okay. Come on. <laughs> okay. I just said this has been a tough week. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's my crick neck that's causing me to <laughs> not be able to say it. So throwing me under the goddamn bus. That's prick shit, bro. <laughs> Sorry. That's prick shit. He has apologized uh, because he used a racial slur while participating in a role-playing exercise designed to, are you ready? What? Prevent public relations crises. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't know that's what it was. I know they used the N-word. Yes. So in a statement, he said, quote, news reports attributing the use of inappropriate and hurtful language to me during a media training session regarding race are true. Regardless of the context, I apologize. Simply stated, racism has no place in our society. Um, Yeah. So this is what he said. Um, Racism has no place, y'all. In words. He was talking (laughs) about KFC. And, well, first of all, let's take a step back before we get into what he said. I have have exclusive footage of John Shatner. You do? Oh, Trump, baby! Yeah, there he is. (laughs) So, um... He got in trouble last year because he said that the pizza sales were down because of the NFL's handling of players kneeling during the national anthem, the protesting of because racial injustice. they were like the official, the official pizza of the NFL. Yeah. Uh, they're not anymore. And so there was <laughs> backlash to that, and he actually stepped down as CEO for two months after he made the comments. And so... The first point of controversy is his comments about the NFL, the national anthem, the racial injustice protesting. And now the second point of controversy for him is that he was talking about KFC on the call. And on this call, he was trying to downplay the significance of his criticism of the league um, and its players. And he said, Colonel Sanders called blacks inwards. But he said the word. Yes. Complaining that Sanders had never received any backlash. So, you know, Colonel Sanders. You know, back in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, he gets to say it. And I can't say. It. Wow. I mean, is that what we're is that what we're doing here? Man, guys like Colonel Sanders had it real good. Mm-hmm. They could be openly racist. Not good old Papa John, though. Apparently, and this is according to Forbes, uh, he also recalled growing up in Indiana, where he said people used to drag black people from their trucks until they died. 
I'm not sure how that was relevant to the conversation, but um, he his comments apparently were... Cocaine's a hell of a drug, Brittany. He, he was <laughs> apparently attempting to demonstrate his stance against racism, but many people on the, again, the conference call yeah, um, yeah. were offended by them. So, yeah. Tippy top shape. Mm-hmm. Good job, buddy. Yeah. So how to torpedo your company inside of 12 months. So I know I talk about this quite often, but you got to be careful about what you put in writing and also what you say on conference calls. <laughs> um, there's other people on the call. Yeah. And you're at work and <laughs> um, y- just be aware of that, I guess. And all you got to keep in mind, you know, snitches get stitches. They're always out there. Yeah. Well, Listen, this guy obviously has something going on. These are the two things that he has been in the news for. Obviously, yeah. there's there's something going on God here. Damn. So um, he is asshole of today. All right. Well, good job, John Schnatner. Schnat, Schnatter? Schnatter? S-C-H-N-A-T-T-E-R. All right. <laughs> We love you guys. We're going to leave you there. We appreciate you. Thank you. If you'd like to sound off, help move the conversation forward, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos like everybody does from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We're going to be right back with you tomorrow night. Pick us up on Friday morning whenever you listen to the show. Thank you. We'll see you then. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been... I doubt it. Pizza sounds real good.